Tennessee football's spring game is just five weeks away. Start saving your pennies now. Welcome in to the Volunteer State. I'm Blake Topmeyer alongside Adam Sparks and John Adams of the Knoxville News Sentinel. Tennessee spring practice uh, will get started on March 20th. That's a Monday, about a week and a half from now. We're going to dive into that conversation Throughout the pod today, discuss some burning questions. As much as you can have burning questions in March as it pertains to college football, we're going to take a look at those for Tennessee. But first, Adam, some breaking news this week on the spring football front. Danny White says, pony up if you want to get into Neyland Stadium for the April 15th spring game. That's going to cost you five greenbacks to get in the door. Yep, five bucks, general admission. Uh, the South end of the stadium will be closed for renovations but like the bowl of of uh, neyland stadium will be general admission the uh, the non-premium seating uh i don't have time or the knowledge to explain all of what that means but non-premium seating five dollars to get in per person uh, and then there's going to be premium seating options later i have no idea how much that's going to be or any of the parameters on it um you know i mean the the money of it I mean, five dollars a person. That that doesn't it doesn't matter. It's a family of four, twenty bucks. Um, before we started the pod, I was looking for tonight as we record this. Today's my uh, oldest daughter's birthday, and I was she wants to eat at Fleming's Steakhouse. No ad there, but uh, for her birthday, and I was looking at the uh, the appetizers, and they're about what a family of four would <laughs> it would cost you to get into Neyland Stadium for the orange and white game. So twenty bucks, not much, uh, or five bucks a piece, I should say. Um, Adam, Adam, it, what about the uh, concessions at spring game? How they have, do you not have any a, idea? They haven't announced on that. There's there's going to be food trucks and all that at Vol Village before the game. It's going to be a music festival, live live bands and all that. So uh, so you can eat before. I they didn't have in the announcement anything about concessions. I don't think the price of it as much is the news. Again, $5 per person, not much. Uh, I think more the step to charge people is more the news because if it's $5 now, does that mean it's $5 next year or is it 10 next year? Is it 20 in five years? Um, this is going to the My All campaign, which is the fundraising uh, project that Danny White has. So the money will conceivably go back into the stadium for the renovations and all these projects they're planning. But, you know, I, some people are going to take this as eh, five bucks. That's fine. Others are going to take it as why are you charging for a spring game? Georgia does this. That's the only one, the SEC that I know. There may be a couple of others, but I know, I know for sure Georgia does. Uh, but it's a step Tennessee is taking, and I, I suspect some others will, too. Will, will any of this money go directly to Nico? <laughs> directly to Nico? I would say directly. Indirectly to Nico, that's quite possible, John. <laughs> not through the school, absolutely not through the school. But uh, these the, the the tributaries of NIL, there's many these days. There used to be like one. Now, if you if you follow it down the river, eventually you get to the high price quarterback, I suppose. Adam, I, I got to say the uh, you, you mentioned earlier a premium seat for the spring game. A, a premium seat at a spring game. Uh, is on your couch watching something else. I don't know that there is such a thing as a premium seat. Blake, as, come on, as a Blake. Spring game. You know whoever leads that spring game in rushing is going to be 
the bowl MVP, you know, mere months later. Uh, you know, whoever catches that touchdown pass an hour and a half into that game for sure is the go-to receiver. He's the next Jalen Hyde. I don't don't know why you're pretending this doesn't matter. Anytime spring game conversation comes up, I know I've told this story before, but it always pops into my head. When I was a student in LSU, it's having a spring game. Its star athlete was Tommy Casanova, an All-American cornerback who had a nice career with the Cincinnati Bengals. But there was a lot of talk about trying him at running back. He was a pure sprinter, great, just a great athlete. So in the spring game, Tommy Casanova started at tailback. And in the first half, rushed for 198 yards. In the regular season that followed, he probably didn't carry the ball five times. He stayed at cornerback. So that's that's what I think of when when you mention the importance of spring games or spring practice. Even. Yeah, that's a great segue as we discuss spring practice and and burning questions facing Tennessee. But regardless of of how much gravitas you placed on on the spring game itself, uh, I do think spring is is a time where guys could catch your attention a little bit. Maybe maybe make some depth chart moves. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe that all happens in, in August. But none, nonetheless, there are some some good storylines, I think, surrounding Tennessee as spring practice gets underway here in about a week and a half. So let's let's dive into some burning questions. And and we have to start at quarterback. I think uh, we'd be bearing the lead otherwise. Tennessee obviously has to replace Hendon Hooker. Joe Milton coming off of an Orange Bowl MVP performance. So first burning question of the spring. Let's make it a two-parter. Is there any legitimate obstacle to Joe Milton being the starter this year for Tennessee? And is there anything he can do in the next, say, six weeks to put this thing to bed, to sew it up, to say we come out of spring practice and undeniably Joe Milton is QB1 for the 2023 season? I'll take the second question first. Uh, yeah, there's plenty he can do to to sew up this job. I, I don't know that they'll necessarily announce it um, by the end of spring, but if if Joe Milton looks like he is really progressing in the offense, which is what we saw in the Vanderbilt game, the Clemson game at the end of the year when he was a starter, if he looks like he's progressing in the offense, the physical tools are already there. I, I, I think he'll, he'll sew it up, uh, and I, I think he'll probably do that. Is there anything that would keep him from starting? I think that was some, some version of your first question. Mm-hmm. Um, not in, in the spring, he's going to come in as the guy. Um, by the end of the season, uh, spring and the season are two different questions, I think. Um, I, I, don't, I don't see a scenario where Joe Milton loses the starting job in spring practice. Does that happen in the season? Uh Tell me he's bad at Florida in the third game, and I could see a scenario. Tell me that Tennessee loses a game or two in the first half of the season that they should win, and you're turning the car over to Nico and looking towards the future because it's not going to be a phenomenal season. There are scenarios in the season that Nico is the guy, but I think the I think the fact that you know the silver lining for Joe Milton and maybe this season uh, combined uh, that with Hendon Hooker's injury late in the year is that we think Joe Milton is the starter now. It's his job to lose. Had 
Joe Milton not played those last two games, especially the bowl game, it would be a little bit more of an open competition. I don't, I don't think we're going to be sold that with this, though. It's Joe Milton's job to lose, and I think he'll probably hang on to it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I don't think any of this will happen in spring or preseason or in the first couple of games, but if things don't go great when he's at quarterback and Nico is coming on strong, then there's a possibility of the change. I think one one thing we have to really keep in mind here, the expectations for Tennessee's offense are extraordinarily high. And the Vols just led the nation in scoring per game. They led the nation in total offense per game. Uh, when you have those kind of standards, and the quarterback, he he's expected to be not just good, but really, really good in Josh Heupel's system. So, so I think, I don't think even in the season that it's possible that Nico wouldn't lose a position, but Nico could become on so strong that he could win the position and there could be a change. All right. I'm going to save a, a Nico question. We'll, we'll dive in more to him later. I want, want to ask next about transfers. Tennessee has been somewhat active in, in the transfer portal, I would say, in terms of bodies for sure. Maybe, you know, there's there's no Caleb Williams, shall we say, in, in the bunch. But uh, certainly in terms of guys that can help them, they've they've added a handful. So as you look at things this spring, maybe what transfer are you most curious about the development from or that you think could start to show that, that this is someone who's going to be a high-impact, high-ceiling type addition for Tennessee? Well, for me, it's two transfers because I'm going to be reporting on them in two completely different ways. Um, one I'll monitor with my eyes and one with, with my ears, and I'll explain what I mean. The eyes is at wide receiver. Dante Thornton, um, Oregon transfer. If it wide receiver, he'll be competing with Squirrel White, some at slot, Ramel Keaton, some on the outside. Um, probably more the outside because I think Brew McCoy is going to be banged up. I mean, he's coming off uh, off-season surgery, so Thornton will get a lot of uh, a lot of reps probably at outside receiver. That I'll be able to determine with my eyes. Uh, you can look at a wide receiver even in snippets in practice and say that that guy looks the part. I, I, I think he's got it. I think he's got a lot of ability. I think he probably starts. We saw that with Brew McCoy last year. You could watch practice the untrained eye and tell whether he was going to hit or not. Um, that's what you can monitor with your eyes. The, the other one is with my ears, and that's offensive tackle uh, John Campbell. from uh, He was a starting left tackle at Miami last year. Um, I'm not going to pretend like I can watch practice and say, well, the offensive tackle looks really good in drills. I can tell he's better than the other guy. Um, <laughs> but if you listen to somewhat of Joey Halsley, Josh Heupel, but more so Glenn Ellerby, the offensive line coach, Often you can tell with these guys whether or not they they you know have the inside road to uh, to starting. Uh, Campbell's a left tackle. Gerald Mincy, that's coming back, is the starting left tackle. Jeremiah Crawford, who was his backup, was a left backup left tackle. So you get kind of three left tackles, and somebody's got to play the right. Where Darnell Wright played last year, who may be a first second round pick. So somebody's going to move if. Uh, if uh, John Campbell's playing right tackle, uh, that'll be interesting because he's, he's a left tackle. But if they move Gerald Mitzi to right tackle, that tells you John Campbell's going to be the starter on, on the left side. Um, so I, I'll be listening a lot for comments about where guys are moving, 
what guys think of Campbell early on because he was brought here from Miami to be a starting offensive tackle on one side or the other. And Dante Thornton is more just the eye test. I want to see if he's going to be, you know, the next Jalen Hyatt or the next Cedric Tillman. He's probably going to play one of their two positions. I, I really am not concerned about Tennessee's offense. Uh, I guess when I think about transfers, I think of two defensive transfers from BYU, uh, the linebacker, Keenan, uh, and I'm not sure on this pronunciation of his last name, Peely or Peely? Peely. Peely. Peely, like the vegetable. Peely. Okay. You got it? <laughs> yeah. Keenan Peely. Keenan Peely. Yeah, the, then, the, the linebacker then, from BYU who's sort of the anchor of, of BYU's defense at times there. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I, if, Watching BYU through the through the years, it's sometimes short on speed on defense, but it usually has a really aggressive physical defense. So my guess is an inside linebacker, he will bring just that to to Tennessee, and I think Tennessee really needs that. So I think that was a really big get uh, for Tennessee. And I know people say, "Well, BYU, that's not SEC." No, it's not, but I. I think when you produce a lot in any level, that that speaks to your potential. And, and I think he could be a a real help to Tennessee's defense. And also the cornerback, uh, the transferred from BYU. I think he was originally at, at Vanderbilt. Uh, Gabe Judy Lally, way too many names for me. Hmm. But Tennessee, that's another position of need for Tennessee. So to me, uh, and, I, and I understand why Adam – uh, points out those offensive acquisitions are they're significant, but I just think Tennessee's. I feel like Tennessee's offense is, is always going to be fine under Josh Heupel. That that he'll they'll just be good enough to score a lot of points no matter what. But I think the defense is a question mark. They need help on defense. They need depth on defense, and I think these BYU guys could fulfill that. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how Josh Hopple or Tim Banks refers to uh, Gabe, Judy, Lolly. I, I covered him at uh, Vanderbilt uh, back when he when he played there, obviously. And uh, I think he came in as Gabe, Judy, and then added the hyphen, and he was Judy, Lolly. And uh, Derek Mason always just said Judy because for the fir- I remember for the first couple of weeks at camp, he would say, I really like what I'm seeing out of Judy. I thought, <laughs> who are we talking about here? Uh, and I, I had to adjust my 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 ears to uh, Judy. Always meant Gabe, Judy, Lolly. Uh, so I don't, I have no idea what they're going to call him now. But a lot, a lot of names, a lot of hyphens. Yeah, we hadn't gotten to Iyama Liava, so uh, close enough on Keenan Peely. <laughs> yeah, I think Adam, you revealed yourself as a former mediocre high school quarterback there when your your two transfers that you were most interested in, in monitoring this spring were the offensive tackle and the wide receiver spoken, spoken like a quarterback who needed a little bit of help back in his day. When, huh? ten, when Tennessee's defense is on the field, I'm tapping what the offense did two minutes earlier. That's <laughs> I'm exposed. On Adam, that. Adam, what was the scouting report on you? Uh, did defenses try to pressure you and get you out of your comfort zone or they sit back and try hope you would try to force things and force things into coverage. It depended if they want, they wanted to scoop and score or pick six. Like, uh-huh. do you want to, do you want to hit me and I'll fumble and let your D lineman get his one touchdown? 
or do you want me to let it let me uh throw it as far as i can which is about 38 yards i think back then catch it and then have a long return for a touchdown it really depends on what you were looking for i see okay next burning question We'll leave Adams' quarterback skills or lack thereof behind and stick with Tennessee's uh, defense, which was a problem for Tennessee at, at certain times last year and certain times it cost them games, certainly against South Carolina. Uh, pass rush was pretty good for the Vols last year and helped paper over the fact that their pass defense was a liability. Is there anything you could see this spring or, or any cause for hope that there is a a level of that defense that uh, that is particularly encouraging. Guess what I'm asking is: is there a star group or a potential really quality position group uh, on 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 this roster? Um, I think the ceiling could be high for uh, pass rushers in this bunch, and you know th- there's a pretty big vacancy there uh, with Byron Young gone. Uh, well, Latrell Bumpus is gone. Jeremy Banks is gone in the linebacking course. You need pass rushers. I, I think a trap that sometimes we get into, certainly fans get into when you go into spring practice or fall camp, is that you're talking about the, the new, new guys, uh, you know, the freshmen that are coming in, who's going to pop and who's going to play. And the, almost none of them do. They redshirt or they play very little. And so what you need to think of in spring practice is the second-year guys. The guys you were enamored with a year ago, now is their time to step into legitimate playing time in, in impact spots. And uh, and with that, if you think back a year ago with Tennessee signing class, we were talking about Joshua Josephs, James Pierce, Tyree West. Those were three four-star defensive end slash edge rushers last year. That was If you go back to that 2022 class, we were all saying, hey, th- these are going to be really good pass rushers down the road. Well, we're down the road now, and those are three guys that at varying degrees and, and uses could could be the guys that step in and play a big role in, in this rotation. Uh, Joseph's looked the part. He needed to gain weight last year, but he looked the part as a freshman that he's going to be a really good pass rusher. James Pierce did not play very much last year, but they like, they like his ceiling. They like his skill set. Uh, Tyree West is a guy that's probably going to be more on the strong side defensive end, uh, you know, so so pass rush in a different way. But th- th- that's what I want to see. I want to see if those three guys who had high hopes last year, if they sort of, you know, meet that potential this year in spring, because I, I, I think at least a couple of them could. I think with Tennessee's defense, uh, those those big plays matter to Tennessee as much as to anybody because we've seen that just the overall depth of talent on the defense, it's it's not stonewalling anybody. We saw Florida with Anthony Richardson, Alabama with Bryce Young, and and then later Spencer Rattler with South Carolina just pass it silly. So what Tennessee has to do is produce playmakers. And, and Adam alluded to that. I mean, can uh, Aaron Beasley, he he. I thought Aaron Beasley had a really nice year and was Tennessee's best linebacker last year. It needs it needs playmakers because I don't think it's just going to shut down opposing opposing offenses. Adam, am I, am I wrong to be pretty bullish on on Tennessee's linebacker group, particularly in the middle of that defense? And I thought Aaron Beasley, as John said, uh, I mean he, he looked really good in the the Orange Bowl. I thought there was a case. It's easy to vote for the the quarterback, and 
I will reveal that I did, but uh, I, I thought Aaron Beasley had a, had a real case to be MVP of the Orange Bowl, played in, incredibly well in that game. And, and of course, Tennessee was missing Jeremy Banks in that game, and Aaron Beasley stepped up to the extent that you really didn't miss Jeremy Banks. But now you have Keenan Peely in this defense, the, the previously discussed BYU transfer, who was a really good player for BYU. And to John's point, that's a good program, so good of a program, in fact, that Tennessee decided they didn't want to play at Provo this year and dumped them off the off the schedule so we can say that BYU is not a SEC but Tennessee certainly would rather play Virginia and Nashville than BYU on the road so I, to me they got two really good linebackers in the middle of defense and and Beasley and and Keenan Peely I'm not saying first round draft picks but I feel like they're they're pretty solid there no they need three quality linebackers to be uh pretty good they need four i think to be really good at that position i don't think i I doubt they'll have four we'll see um but yeah i mean i think you're right uh aaron beasley i actually did vote for aaron beasley if i remember right uh for mvp of the orange bowl i I thought you only watched offense now you (laughs) did someone mention to you i was told he played pretty well i was told That's a, that's a good point. Uh, I, I voted Beasley for MVP. I think he had a phenomenal game. I don't remember if they swapped out his positions or not in the Orange Bowl, but I would suspect they'll do that this year. He's usually the middle linebacker. Jeremy Banks was the weak side backer, so he would come uh, untouched from the backside a lot. That's why you would see Banks make a lot of uh, a lot of uh, open field plays, get in the backfield. Beasley, I think, and we saw him with some blitzes in that Orange Bowl, maybe his skill set is more for the weak side. And I think Peely would probably be more of a middle linebacker. So I'll be interested to see if they swap those guys out. Um, I have confidence in those two guys. Elijah Herring uh, uh, was a freshman last year from Murfreesboro was one of their better, uh, more promising freshmen last year. I mean, I, I, I think Elijah Herring will probably push to start. Uh, He'll push Peely. I think Peely will start, but, you know, we thought Juwan Mitchell was, you know, the savior of that linebacking core two years ago. And, you know, he was injured a little bit. He didn't pick up the system. There wasn't chemistry there, and it, it never quite happened for him. So just because a guy comes in that's played time elsewhere doesn't mean he's automatically going to get the spot. I would say it would be Peely and Aaron Beasley, but Elijah Herring has, has a chance there. And if they have those three guys sort of in a rotation, then the linebacking core will at least be solid. We talk about the defense. I mean, I just get, and this is Blake probably had this question on his list, but is there any reason to believe the the secondary will be markedly better? Um, I'm, I'm somebody that likes trends and judge of history. And uh, by that, I would say no, um, because <laughs> I mean, if you look at, if you look at Josh Hopple's defenses at UCF, <laughs> Uh, past defense was usually bad, and the defense overall wasn't very good. If you look at the defenses now, I mean, some of that's just a product of the system, offense to defense. But, uh, you know, I mean, and I reported on this uh, uh, recently on raises that uh, the coaches got, the assistant coaches got. Everybody is extended beyond the season on this staff, except for Willie Martinez, the secondary coach. Now, he got a, he got a raise. And, and I think that's a diplomatic uh, uh, approach by Josh Hopple. Hey, Willie, I believe in you. You've been with me at the last two schools. I think you can do the job. So I'm going to give you a raise. But, oh, by the way, if you don't, I'm not going to bring you back. I think that that was my take on that by not extending him beyond this year. So, and, and I don't, you know, we can 
discuss that elsewhere, whether or not he's to blame for the secondary. But, I mean, I'm interested to see Gabe Judy Lolly, the, the, the transfer, because what Tennessee has coming back, you kind of all know what they are and what they're not. So I don't think there's going to be any revelations on these guys' skill sets, for better or worse. They need guys that can cover more man, that can cover press man. Um, they were not good at that uh, last year. You know, I think they hid deficiencies two years ago because Alante Taylor was was pretty solid at that. Um, you know, Kamal Haddon is what he is. Christian Charles is what he is. Those were the starters last year. Um, Christian Charles, I'd be interested to see if they move him back to safety where he was before. Warren Burrell is going to be back. We'll see if he can give them something else. It's just a lot of guys that have played a lot but not played great, and gave Judy Lolly as the new ingredient in there. And and coaches were raving about the freshmen that were coming in that were in uh, that were in uh, the bowl practices. Usually, I roll my eyes at that. Mostly, uh, you know, are freshmen really going to play much? But there's like three 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 guys that are like four stars. Um, in that secondary group in this class that came in and they're enrolled early and they'll, there's a chance one of them may jump over the other guys just because they can play press man. And so I think there's a, there's a chance they could be a little better, but are they going to be much, much better? I I just don't see the ingredients on this team to do that. I like uh, Adam's depiction as is what he is. I wonder if when he was a high school quarterback, if opposing defensive coaches said, well, that quarterback is what he is. I, mean, I feel like a, a, our bosses say that, John, about a, a lot a lot of our columns. You, you turn yeah, it in well, and you say, well, is it is what it is. Let's slap this down the rail. Well, if I tell you, we, we should, who should listen to this podcast? Spencer Rattler, South Carolina's quarterback, should, should, should listen to this because his assessment, Adam's assessment of the secondary, should lead leave him smiling, if not laughing outrageously at the prospect of facing this defense again. Sixty three points South Carolina scored, and it seemed like he threw a hundred touchdown passes. South Carolina's football team scored markedly more against Tennessee's football team than its basketball get team did in two games against Tennessee. Now I'm I'm going to give a counterpoint to my own point because I almost okay. feel like the, okay. the Tennessee coach is whispering in my ear right now. Um, last spring, you may recall, last spring a big problem was that there were virtually no cornerbacks in spring practice. They were all injured. There were like seven of them. They were all out. D. Williams is there, the junior college transfer who really didn't play defense. Just he was a punt returner, a great one, but. Um, all their corners were out last spring. And as far as I know, their corners are all healthy or most of them are healthy for this spring. So the reason slash excuse that the secondary struggled some last year, that's not going to be in place this year. So they should improve because everybody's going to be practicing and they didn't last year. Last year they had to put off everything till fall camp to figure out who their corners were. Uh, th- they shouldn't have that problem this spring. I think all the cornerbacks were injured against South Carolina. (laughs) You may be right. All right. I've saved Nico up to this point. So I'm going to, going to wrap us up here with, with a Nico question in spring practice. A lot of times what reporters are allowed to see is routes on air. And so you get a general sense of how good a guy's arm is, et cetera, but it's, it's nothing to make sweeping 
observations from, although I think sometimes practice reports would try to leave you otherwise. But the spring game is going to be a little bit of the Joe Milton and Nico show. You know, every, everybody who pays five bucks to get into that building is going to be curious. How does Joe Milton look? Uh, is he overthrow Joe or is he Orange Bowl MVP Joe? Um, <laughs> Nico, um, is is he, you know, the five-star Bollywood freshman or is he just a freshman? So in Nico in particular, is there is there anything he could do in this spring game that's going to make you think, uh, wow, this guy might need to be the starting quarterback? With the caveat, we know it's a spring game. It's It's make-believe stuff. But is there something he could do in this spring game that you think, oh, my gosh, he, he could get my attention five weeks from now? Yeah, I mean, from a, a legitimate standpoint, there's only two scholarship quarterbacks, remember, just Joe Milton and, and Nico uh, until they go into the portal after spring. He's going to get a lot of reps, and whether he's good or just okay in spring up till the spring game, he's going to end up getting reps with, with ones and twos because he, he's a two. Um, so if he plays well, um, if he plays well throwing to ones, then you could you could make you, you know you could maybe make a case, especially if Joe Milton struggles a little bit. Now the spring game, you know, coaches for them that's one of fifteen practices or whatever. That doesn't that's not the end all be all. But yeah, I, I mean imagine Joe Milton overthrowing a couple, maybe looking a little awkward in the offense running with the ones and then Nico then gets a ton of reps again, only two quarterbacks, scholarship quarterbacks getting a ton of reps with the ones and twos and, you know, throwing for a couple hundred yards and throwing a touchdown to squirrel and throwing another one to Dante Thornton, the transfer and Ramel Keaton. And Hey, you know, Nico's throwing balls to the guys that are going to start in, in the fall. Y- you could make a case that way. I think so. I think what probably what we're going to see at a Nico is, um, I'm sure you guys watched the Polynesian Bowl as I did, the All Star game that Nico played in. I was still on my DVR, (laughs) waiting to be watched. (laughs) I was actually that one. I was actually on vacation somewhere, and I don't remember where, but I remember watching the Polynesian Bowl in a hotel room. Not my choice. The wives, the the wives said we're putting off dinner or wherever we're going until the Polynesian Bowl is off because she wanted to see Nico. uh, My wife, a Tennessee fan. Thing, things so, okay in your household, Adam? <laughs> yeah. When, when, you, when the remote is stolen from you on vacation in a hotel room to watch the Polynesian Bowl, maybe that's maybe I don't wear the pants in the family. But uh, so I watched it, and uh, anybody that did saw that Nico had some electric Joe Milton top throws. Where wow, look at that! Look at that throw! Look at that one downfield! Look at him thread the needle there, and then the next play he would he would miss a guy by ten yards. Um, and I think that's a lot of what we're going to get. We're going to get a wow, and eh, that's not going to cut it, uh, you know, on alternating plays quite a bit in spring game and practice and all that, and uh, those that's a sign of a talented yet inexperienced freshman, and I think that's what Nico's going to look like. I think fans have a tendency to look for the fe- toward the future, and I think they will remember the wows more than they remember the uh-ohs, I think they will see his potential. And I bet a lot of people, because he he's obviously talented, and, and I think a lot of fans will come away from that game and say, boy, Nico's going to be the guy. It, it, soon, maybe sooner than later. I, I always uh, think back to when Peyton Manning came here. Not, 
not in a not in a, a spring game before his freshman season, but watching a preseason uh, practice, a scrimmage with Peyton Manning, a, a true freshman, starting out probably tight bracketed at number three on the depth chart. And he had a scrimmage in which he threw only one completion, incompletion. And, and he looked, he just looked so poised and so in control. I don't know how anybody could watch that and not think he was going to be really, really good. So I think people will go to that spring game with a chance, with a hope of seeing Nico do some things like that that show his potential and they won't care so much about uh, won't care so much about the mistakes and i think a, a lot of fans will want to go there and one reason they'll want to be there is they want to say yeah i was there the first time we saw nico in a game at neyland stadium i remember that and here's what happened and i knew then he was going to be a great one bonus question for you John, because I know the way you you love spring games, spring football, and really, John, as I came into a columnist, I, I I thought I always thought about the three things you taught me about being a columnist. Number one, oh, when you check into a Marriott, make sure you announce that you are platinum premier, uh, and I try to follow that advice. Uh, number two, work four days a week, but convince the bosses you're working five. That's good advice to remember as well. Number three. Always schedule a vacation for the weekend of the spring game. Now, I have not followed that advice so well, but I know you are, uh, you adhere to that strictly. Yeah. John. And uh, my vacation will begin a couple of days before the spring game. However, there we go. We're talking about a paid sporting event now. Uh -huh. This is not just some freebie. So it matters. And with Nico in mind, I will record the game and, and watch it later and break down the break down the video with uh, Adam's wife, Bev. Well, I was going to ask you uh, my burning question. I know you're not paying five dollars to get in the stadium. How much of a bonus would the company have to pay you to show up to the stadium for the spring game? How much would you need to be paid to cancel your vacation that weekend and say, you know what, I'm not going to watch this recorded. I'm going to see it live in, in action in the friendly confines of Neyland Stadium. Oh, I I would do it for a thousand bucks. Thousand dollar bonus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So so maybe Tennessee should change this from all proceeds go to the mile campaign, aside from the first thousand dollars, <laughs> which goes into a Knox News columnist's back pocket. Go fund me. There you go. And if anyone asks. John and I are putting in a hard 40. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Volunteer State.